The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. But we got what it takes for the cycle to break. Revolution is in me. you guys welcome to the untamed and unashamed podcast this is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability compassion and openness that we can muster along with the help of guests from all walks of life we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts i'm jade bryce and i'm so happy that you're here Our guest today is one of the founding coaches of Fit for Service, a poet and a devoted writer, and a certified facilitator for transformational healing modalities such as breathwork, meditation, kundalini yoga, and her greatest passions and service include guiding sacred ritual, shadow work, and divine feminine healing, and supporting radical expression through authentic embodiment and ecstatic dance always with a spiritual big sister energy that forms a lasting bond of love with everyone that she works with. And that's exactly what I've experienced from her. With a dynamic history of tested life experience, she has risen from the underworld of her own darkness to a path of purpose through many years and quests of mentorship, self-healing practices, and plant medicine journeys. She is now committed to supporting others and overcoming shame, finding community, and reclaiming a sense of individual wholeness for greater collective harmony. Please help me welcome Caitlin Howe to Untamed and Unashamed. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. Okay, so I'm going to say something that is going to make me probably seem a little bit like a fangirl, and that, that used to like that concern actually used to keep me from showering people in love and compliments because it, it I would worry that like, then they think like kind of keep me at a distance, you know, cause I'm like a fan, you know, like that, especially here in Austin with how um, the spiritual community, there's so many like cooler people. I don't, I don't know really how to articulate. <laughs> okay. You get what I'm saying. So, um, so I've broken that pattern and I'm happy to celebrate women no matter how it makes me sound. So um, I met you in my early 20s. I think I was 22 or 23. Um, I'm now in my late 30s. So it's been, a, it's been a while. And when I first met you, I felt like you were the first woman that I had met that was just purely kind, no matter the status. And I, you know, I had come from ch- a church that was very hierarchical. And um, 
this kindness felt like it was just your default and you were strikingly gorgeous as well. And I remember struggling in my self-esteem at this time in my life and wondering, I remember wondering like when I met you thinking like, God, what would it wake up to look, what would it feel like to wake up like that every day? Like how how is there this human, this, this beautiful, that's like how, how gorgeous I thought that you were. And then, um, here we are 15 years later and you're still just as kind and just as beautiful. But when I want to sit at your feet and learn, I don't want your beauty tricks. I don't even want to sit and experience your kindness. I want to just experience the depth of your heart and the artist and the wild woman, because the woman I've watched you grow into, especially in this last year is such medicine. And I want to learn about how that transpired and what inner work you did to get here. Cause that's, that's the true beauty. Thank you for breaking that story and being willing to share that because it really, really, Hmm. (laughs) it really means so much. And um, it's, it's funny how we create or perceive um, those different hierarchical perspectives in relationship with other women, Uh et cetera, because I felt the same way with you, you know, (laughs) I continue to as well, you know, um, Jade Bryce, like you were like a superstar, uh, you know, ring girl. Like I was like, wow, she's, (laughs) she's a star, you know, and you've always been so kind and so deep. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, I really appreciate your reflection because it's something that I, enjoy the most about others is when I get to access their depth and Mm -hmm. I try to reveal that part of me more especially as I've grown and evolved and learned that that's what I value most about myself Mm -hmm. I find that and you know like oh I value this in others well Mm -hmm. I didn't live as though my depth was the most valuable thing about me for a Mm -hmm. long time and Mm -hmm. um it's been quite a journey to evolve into a place where I'm really in ownership that that's a, a big value for me and to allow myself to let that be the seat of my worth. Yeah. If it can be, you know, but not, but to moving it, it's quite literally like appearance was the way that the value was, you know, kind of gauged um, earlier mm-hmm. in my life and going to depth is literally taking it from the, you know, the farthest extent of our being down into the deepest and um, innermost place. And so I really appreciate being seen that way. Yeah. And it's so, it's beautiful that we were both viewing that in another without realizing that we were being seen by that (laughs) as that by the same person. It's, we never, like we never know how we appear to someone else, you know, and that's so interesting that like the same person we may be viewing as one thing and we have it as like, Oh, it's so beautiful. So amazing that they're thinking that at the same time. So that's a really beautiful thought as well. Yeah, It's always surprising. And that's why being brave and, and saying the truth gets us to learn that like, Oh, this needs to, yeah, it's fascinating. It's been, I'm, I'm also, you know, I think we're about the same age. Um, you may be, I was, I'm 38. And I'll so 38 this year. Okay. Yeah. We're right <laughs> on. <laughs> it's been like approximately close. Um, and that, yeah, I loved witnessing your journey and evolution as well. It's so palpable. It's so deep and palpable and beautiful and rich. And I'm really excited to be here and just talk about all the, 
all the interesting highs and lows and, yeah. and the ways that I evolved because um, it's been an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know um, when we first met, you were Aubrey Marcus's girlfriend and he was best friends with the guy I was dating. They were training together, not best friends, but they were training together and yeah. around each other a lot. And so um, our lives have changed so much since then. <laughs> um, it's definitely been a wild journey. Um, and you brought up being 38. It's interesting because back then 38 sounded like your life's over. Yeah. You know? And even like in my young 30s, I felt like, oh man, like time's running out. And there's something about this after 35, like when I turned 37, I remember being so excited to turn 37. Like there was something about, and I know it's, it's, this isn't true for everyone, but there was something about feeling like I was getting closer to the crone. I know that like that age, age doesn't really depict that, but it felt like I'm only getting wiser. I'm only getting closer to, you know, and I know Carl Jung says that up until 40, you're just doing research anyways. So <laughs> So, yeah. So this our research is. Yeah. <laughs> We've done a lot of research. <laughs> well, so this last year in particular, um, it seems that you really come home and dropped into yourself. And I would love to hear about that, about what that was like this last year and what what the work was really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will start by saying I had a funny realization as you were just speaking. I am not 38, I'm 39. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I just, <laughs> I, mean, I just turned 39 a few weeks ago. And, oh, and yeah. yeah, and I've, I've been so, I've been in a big, a big burst of creative energy. And um, I really feel like I'm living in, and dancing in my dharma, as they say, and mm-hmm. um, and it's been pretty high paced. And so, time and days of the week and age hasn't even been on my mind really. It's been yeah. I've been riding in the wave, um, but I realized that because I thought about when I turned thirty seven last year, and I was like, no, nope, I turned thirty eight last year, and I remember it was my favorite <laughs> birthday I'd ever had because really? yeah, and it was a prelude to what was to come. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, and I imagine this will happen many times in my life still, but it felt like an arrival in the moment. I remember standing on the beach in Costa Rica and feeling how far I had come from some really dark and desperate and confused places. And, mm-hmm. and um, I had this feeling of like, wow, look where all of this brought you, you know, um, you're living in a path of purpose, you're serving others, you're so much more in touch with yourself and so much more loving with yourself. And, um, and yet the biggest transformation was still to come. I ended up, um, it felt like that moment was pivotal, but there was still some adjustment, some big adjustment that needed to be made. And really, um, I mean, I could, I could talk the whole podcast about what happened last year. So I'll try to condense Mm -hmm. essentially what I didn't realize still needed to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sort of living this diehard prolonged maiden phase where I was 
expressing a lot in this in the same energy and relating to others especially in romantic relationships in the same energy that I had um, earlier for many years in my life which was you know I'm the free bird I'm the wild one I'm the you know I am I, I, I was so resistant to rooting mm-hmm. and um this became kind of evident for me with relationship to begin with right after that birthday I had some explosive things happen in my romantic relationships. And for me, I had multiple romantic relationships. (laughs) So I liked it that way. I thought that, you know, uh, this is, this may be who I am. And I, I hadn't really let myself get vulnerable enough to drop into the place where I claimed the path where the vulnerable state of, you know, I do want a sacred union. I do want to settle down. I want to have children. I want to root. And, um, a few things transpired with those relationships that revealed to me that I was really guarding myself with that persona. It was like, Mm -hmm. I know myself to be loved this way. And the one who is loved is available to everyone. And Mm -hmm. she's done. And she is, um, you know, always, the life of the party. And it was just these old echoes of really the era when I met you that I was still, I had found an identity in my twenties that I really, really loved. And I got a lot of positive environmental feedback for. Mm -hmm. I was the life of the party and people felt comfortable with me because of my kindness and my Mm -hmm. openness. And that became almost as I got older and the, some of the deeper stirrings of, you know, that I think we feel with aging and, uh, and the, the gravity of what it means to perhaps settle down. Um, it felt kind of like a early midlife crisis that I started to experience where I was coming to terms with what I had prevented myself from receiving and experiencing by holding on to that identity. And I went on an ayahuasca journey back in September And ayahuasca for me has a magical way of working far beyond the Mm -hmm. ceremony. She is so big and so intelligent. And there is this, um, you know, when you agree to sit in ceremony with yourself and you agree with yourself in the medicine um, and the divine, there's almost like a, a brave gesture that's made. Like I'm willing to listen and hear the guidance that is, you know, wants to come through for me and come what may, uh, I, I want to show up to my evolution. And that's kind of the inherent prayer in being brave and sitting with a big medicine like that. And so after that journey, I felt I experienced a radical shift where I suddenly was open. My prayer had been, please help me open my heart. Cause I could feel I was kind of I learned to be so savvy at being the free woman and being Mm -hmm. this um, force that it was almost like energetically, I could feel this armor had built around my being. Mm -hmm. And it was like, my prayer was just, I want to open my heart. A lot of that being also because my father had passed the year before and I had, um, it was very sudden and he had a brain tumor and it happened very quickly. And the grief was so big that I also was carrying that armor as sort of a shield for my own depth of feeling. And I knew that I wasn't feeling at all. 
And so once I made that prayer and sat with the medicine, it was like my heart opened. And in that, in my heart, in the depths of it was a lot of unresolved pain, a lot of cords of attachment to my own identity, to former relationships, to, um, old thought patterns, old perceptions of myself. And I basically sat in the fire of that energy and that pain and let my, and committed to feeling it. And so I did not, I, I didn't do anything social. I didn't do anything to numb or run or busy myself. I halted everything and went into this cocoon. And I was just like, I'm here to feel this is something I've been running from in many ways for a long time through, you know, substances and dramatic relationships and all the things I could find that kept me stimulated and avoiding feeling the depths. And through that process, I started working with um, the inner parts of myself. And it was like this pantheon of different, um, you know, in the internal family systems framework, there's, mm-hmm pantheon of inner beings and we're actually comprised of many personalities and it was about for me it was parsing out what are the personalities that are coping patterns in Mm -hmm. my behavior and where is my essence who do I want to be how do I want to walk into the next half or longer of my life into those older seasons and for me it felt you know I, I work with archetypes a lot and parts work a lot, um, both in my coaching and just in my own personal process. And it felt very clearly um, a big transition from maiden to mother. Like mm-hmm. the this is your movement into what it means to be mother. How are you going to give birth to not only the children that you desire and the love that you desire, but the creations that you came here offer the world through your heart Mm -hmm. it's all of it energetically and so that requires roots and groundedness and and embodied wisdom and so I actually um did a really dynamic self-constructed process (laughs) that was a both um working with my parts as like my inner queens Mm. also using myth the myths that resonated with me to connect to those archetypal patterns in myself. Mm-hmm. And I used, I followed a book called um, The Alchemy of the Soul, Ooh. Martin Lowenthal. And it's all about Eros and Psyche and Psyche's evolution into divine union with Eros, which is this force of this, you know, divine erotic force of love. And for me, it was the vulnerable place of claiming, like letting myself really feel the depths of saying, I want to be loved and chosen and committed to, and I want to give birth and I want to be in intimacy. Um, And feeling all of that, I I moved through this series of rituals and um, I went all in on my healing, not even knowing that that was still needing to happen, but it was really the the, the moment of what kind of life do you want and what are you willing to claim it, willing to do to claim it? You know, mm-hmm. um, I was willing to do anything at that point because I could feel time sort of poking me and saying, you can't do this forever and live the life 
that you truly want to live. Mm-hmm. And so I created a magnificent altar at my mirror um, to face myself. And mm, wow. Yeah. I, I, that was the, the real, um, the real portal. And I, I sat there and I, I worked with my inner child. I got my little flower girl basket from when I was three years old and I did prayers, um, of forgiveness for myself and ritual to let the parts that are ready to transform die and honor them and thank them, thank them for all the love that they've given to the world and all the adventure they've given to me and and really claim the new woman that I wanted to be or that I am really, but just to really claim her. And then I went um, and intentionally did a baptism ritual on January And I went to the ocean. I actually um, asked Aubrey specifically because he was a big part of my path if he would carry me into the water. Wow. And um, give me that feeling in my body of really starting over from the moment that I went on my big adventure when I was 29 to Vegas. And I just wanted to give it a big yes. Mm. He carried me into the water and I just looked at him in the eyes and I was like, thank you. I looked at the sky and the ocean and I just said, yes, yes to the next chapter. And it worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> All of it worked like a magic miracle. I, I mean, I called in the union that I was, the, exactly the union that I was desiring. I, um, I learned so much about myself in the process and then I can feel this energy responding to me, to me from life. That's like, I'm ready to give birth to what I came here to give birth to. And so it's powerful. (laughs) So there's a couple little threads uh, that I want to pull on here. So when you brought up, when you described what ayahuasca is like, I could like taste her in my cheeks. Um, because it was like it, the way you described it was so perfect and beautiful. And she's been my one of my most beautiful teachers. I think um, out of all, I think I've maybe drank like 30 cups by now okay. um, because I, you know, I do nights in a row and stuff. And um, I also, it, I was thinking about also how when we drink the cup, you were talking about how it's what it means when we drink from her cup. And I also was thinking like, man, it's also saying yes to the great mystery. And what's crazy though, is like, we kind of do that in everything in life. Like we don't know what's going to happen in anything. Like we're not guaranteed anything. We're not guaranteed our relationship's going to work out that our job, you know, nothing. We're only (laughs) saying yes to the mystery, but we pretend that we have control. We, our ego tells us like, well, if you do this, you'll get that. And that's what we think we're running, but we're really always in a mystery. And so I was just thinking about that, how like some people really resist drinking a cup of ayahuasca because it's too mysterious. Like they don't know what's going to happen, but that's life. Like we're already doing that. Um, so I was was thinking about that. And then I was curious, um, I guess the next question before I ask about the archetype was, um, so the baptismal, I guess in the Bible means that you're like being washed of your sins. Um, you're being purified. So what did it represent to you, the baptism? So, yeah, for me, one thing really quickly on the mystery, Mm -hmm. so that you, that you bring this forward because my 
I call this, I'm very like mythopoetically woo-woo and I, oh, I love it. rituals and, and stories. But when I went into this, I really, I really claimed it as an initiation um, through the mystery. And so my prayer mm-hmm. the entire time that I had on my altar with my mirror was sacred heart, please guide me through the mystery. Mm. I knew that I didn't know, but that I wanted to participate. And I think that that's kind of the key for us with, it's so true. We, we are, I think quite tormented by this idea that we can control anything. Mm. However, we can participate in a creative, a powerfully creative way, but it's always a dance of, Mm here is what I want. If it's in the highest good, I now surrender to what is. And again, and again, and there's this sort of dance that happens if we're um, participating and not trying to cling and 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 control. Um, And the mystery feels like ayahuasca. So that very much much resonated. Um, But yeah, for me with the baptism, it was rebirth, you know, and very symbolically in the ocean water and the salt water returning to the womb and and coming through with with some not you know not in a controlling way but with intention like I I want to be here I choose this path um I want to participate and I want to I do I personally feel strongly that ritual has a profound impact on how our psyche and emotionally and emotional body and even soma our our physical body how it um responds to our desires and and our prayers and you know there is an essence i think i think the washing away of sins for me personally feels um like it was a bit became a bit distorted with a lot of a lot of shame built into that idea yeah and really, to me, the essence of what baptism is, is saying there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. And there never was. And you so, are holy already. Yeah. You are, you are holy and you are innocent. And now here's a ritual to just show yourself that you deserve that grace. Yeah. meant for me. I love that. Yeah. The original, the story of original sin. <sighs> It's why I love Tantra so much because Tantra is so much, you are already by your birthright. You are already deserving. You are already divine. You are already holy. And that's not to dehumanize us, but it's that, that separation of original sin. Like I love that Tantra is that you can find God everywhere. You can access God everywhere. It's the exact opposite of original sin. Um, All God. Also, the uh, the power of ritual, I feel that the other thing I love about Tantra is the belief that everything is a ritual when you bring intention to it. And it just like you can bring your intention to your sex, to um, your mirror work, to whatever it is, and it becomes that ritual that has the power that you're speaking of. So I love that as well, because it brings so much beauty to life. And um, so the other thread that I wanted to to pull on was you brought up how you were hiding in the maiden. Um, 
and yeah, you were, you are, or were both uh, a very fun maiden. <laughs> I always, uh, like the show is called Untamed and Unashamed because I wanted to open that up in myself. I was taking it as an initiation by naming the show that, and you, when I looked at you, you echoed that it was beautiful, um, and still do, but I can see in this last year that you have brought in the mother, but I'm curious. Um, so you said that you were hiding in the mother. I, I wouldn't have known that from the outside. Um, and I'm sure that there are people who hide in the mother, uh, or you said hide in the maiden. So I'm sure there are people who hide in the mother, you know, um, do you feel that as you stepped into the mother that your maiden is still very alive and you can flow back and forth? Um, because the way I understand the archetypes is it's not, that you're one is mm -hmm. that you're kind of mastering each one and tapping into them. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for, for distinguishing that. It's absolutely true. I think that that was something that was unconscious for me, but imprinted by some of the um, societal norms and just some of the aspects of the story of the paradigm that's really strong for us, which is to let go of the youth mm -hmm. means that means that you're you're gonna lose it and mother is all of she's she's everything she's all of the planet. you know she's she is kind of the shapeshifter she's the queen she's, she's in her power but she's already a fully evolved maiden and has been in every step of the journey and she can dance and shift and and just move gracefully back and forth and I think you know, there's some of these just false stories that create resistance in one direction or another, whether that's somebody who very much identifies with the, with the prominent story of what mother means. And that, you know, that means, you know, you can't, you got to dress your, dress your age and you've got to calm down and you can't be wild and you can't be sexual. And you, you know, these are, these are expired ideas and they were never true. And I also hear, like, when I hear mother, a thought that may come up is like, give, 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 and never receiving. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You, you know, what you know, what's up. That's so true, <laughs> you know, and it's, um, and there's shadow aspects to these archetypes mm -hmm. in all directions, you know, um, the, the mother shadow would be never taking care of herself because she's mm -hmm. taking care of everyone else. And that kind of has a, a, twin in the maiden which is almost like available to everyone else but not mm. not rooted in herself and that's a shadow expression it's like a really extreme facet of this we're so multifaceted I mean the truth of the matter is we have all of these archetypes in us all the time I always had the mother in me I just was living in that with awareness and intentionality and and gratitude and and that yes energy that I brought to it but she was definitely there the caretaker and and you know the the crone has been there the wise mm -hmm. woman you know the, that that kind of flows in and out of me as well depending on what's alive for me or what my environment is and there's such a dynamic like universe of <laughs> characters that we each have our own unique expression of mm -hmm. and each of those have different shadows to different expressions to and it's really just such a beautiful rich territory to explore for all of us whether we're male or female is just noticing 
what's alive for us in a given moment and also participating by recognizing, you know, Hey, if I brought in some, if I activated some more of this energy, that would really support me in being where I want to be right now. So become more cognizant of where we're at and what we want and call on our inner pantheon of queens or kings or whatever, and just say like, it's time for this piece of me to step forward because that's really going to serve the totality of who I am and the totality of the path that I'm on. So yeah, yeah. for all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of I've, it. Yeah. I've always seen in you um, from then and today, um, queen, warrior, magician, and lover, mm-hmm. and maiden and mother and crone. I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. And um, it feels like what's alive for you right now the most is the mother that we've talked about. But I also see so much wild woman in you. And mm-hmm. I don't know that wild woman is that different from the maiden. I'm not sure. Um, I've read a woman who runs with the wolves and, and I know very, you know, all about that stuff, but um, what is so the wild woman archetype for you is what is that for you? Mm. Dare I say I have a favorite. I okay. find it dare to say, I would say it is the wild woman and she's kind of to me, she is her own, she's really her own entity and she is present in all the phases. Um, and depending on what, you know, arena you're in, whether that's magician in, in a given moment, magician, um, lover, which for me is the poet, mm-hmm. the beauty, the one that's in love with life and can write it, you know, love letters is yeah. that's right. Um, but the, the wild woman can be present for all of it. And she's sort of like this, this um, dynamic and absolutely untamed muse. And the, the, so the wild woman is like, she is the, for one, essentially, as far as I experience her, the wild woman is one with nature, both externally and internally. So she is um, in touch with the cycles and seasons of life. Mm-hmm. There is area of separation where it's like I won't you know walk outside and like get my toes in the mud and like mm-hmm. put in a bundle of leaves and wrap my naked body around the bark of a tree she's so at one with nature there is none of that original sin idea in her it's all god it's all beauty it's all it's all love she is the wild And there's also a fierceness with the wild woman that I think um, there was a story that really struck me and I forget who wrote it, but it was called um, the angel in the house Hmm. and all about uh, it's about how as women there, this paradigm, this story was, was, you know, originated at some point where we had to be polished and presentable and polite and passive mm-hmm. um, and have good manners. And there was all of these ideas of what it meant to be a lady. Mm-hmm. And that story in all of its forms separated us from the wild woman that's in everybody as a collective. Yeah. And so she is everything that that is not. She will say which, you know exactly what's in her heart. She's living in her truth and she will let herself feel fully. And I think that this is one of the biggest key pieces is 
um, the willingness to scream your rage and wail your sorrow and to claim your fucking truth, you know, and like, this is, um, this is something we're reviving and it, it doesn't, I think there's sometimes this idea of like the wild woman being the sort of medicine woman in the trees, but it's a, it's an embodied, um, permission that you give yourself to be exactly who you are without mm-hmm. thinking. And she always needs work for me. You know, I catch it. I'm catch when I'm being, when I'm putting myself, you know, into a box where I'm trying to be more polished or, you know, edit something mm-hmm. about who I am. I'm like, ah, no, I need to bring her in. Like, be brave. That's, yeah. that's where she lives for me. So it feels like the maiden and the mother were not they're, they weren't really suppressed, but they were separated. You can't be both. And then the crone was like, ugh, it's age. It's the old hag, you know, it's, and so they each had that, but it feels like the wild woman was the most suppressed and the most not allowed. And it feels like there's this huge reclamation of it right now, thankfully to like Mama Gina, Layla Martins in your work. And so I'm so thankful for the medicine that you are and that all the women that are coming forth and letting their wildness flow. Um, there's been a lot of like making fun of terms like high priestess and queen and wild woman. And it, while I get where they're coming from, I'm like, don't make fun of it. We fought so hard to get to where we are, where we can use the term wild woman, where we can be a wild woman, where we can do womb healings, you know? So like, like when I see it getting kind of mocked online, I, I feel like a stinging, like, ah, oh, we, we fought to get here. Like, it's almost like another form of repression in a way. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I love uh, that you brought up screaming your anger and your rage. And, um, I love embodied dance as different archetypes, especially like as Kali and just letting that, you know, come out. And then I love, um, working with my blood. I love working with the seasons. Um, I struggle. It's not that I'm not a nature girl. (laughs) I've I've was, I've never felt disconnected from nature. I feel like I'll lay in the grass. Um, And however, like I'll I'll lay in the grass in the morning, I'll uh, bathe my vagina in the sun, like all the things. (laughs) However, I'm like on a farm. I am so freaked out by all the creatures, (laughs) like by all the scorpions and the spiders and all those things. And so there's this feeling of me of like, oh, I don't know, like this question of, um, are you, are you out of touch with? the wild woman because that part of the wild like you still have like like we went to Aubrey's for Easter Mm -hmm. and the kids Easter baskets were like full of ants a kid came home with a tick on him there was a scorpion in a shoe and like there was this part of me that was like we're just doing it in the backyard next year (laughs) um and I I mean I can feel you and I see the work that you do and it's it's wild like you feel like such you feel like such an embodied wild woman. And we all have our different expressions. You know, I think that that's, that's something that we need to have more grace with ourselves as even if we're in the archetype, the way that it looks and feels for us, it's not going to look exactly how it does for someone else. And mm-hmm. everyone has their fears and their, um, you know, ticks <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> um, 
unintended, but, um, but that's all, that's all a beautiful dynamic aspect of why we're unique and why that it, why we have these archetypes, but they're different for everybody. And that's what makes us all so beautiful and, and, you know, uniquely expressive of the divine feminine or the divine itself. And, um, yeah, I, I've gotten to a place with a lot of, you know, a lot of different practices that really put me in my out of my comfort zone where I'm more comfortable with the creepy crawlies, but there's I'm not my shit too. Like there's uh, I like to see like the wild woman really. Um I did a survival class God six years ago out in New Mexico and uh they wouldn't they told us not to use flashlights. So we'd walk in that at night in the dark and it was to help our eyes adjust to not being so dependent on light. Mm-hmm. And I felt scared. I was honestly scared the whole time. And this <laughs> was years ago, but, um, you know, sleeping in a tent and just hearing all the sounds and everything. And it's been an evolutionary process. And so I'm less afraid of bugs and stuff, but there are still some moments where I'm like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's part of the dance. But I always saw the wild woman as like the, the ultimate epi- epitome if she was, you know, embodied as an archetype she'd be like walking in the dark really slow shoes on just like yeah here I am (laughs) all around (laughs) (laughs) howling at the moon um so the last thread that I wanted to pull on from your beautiful um sharing of your journey was the altar how you put a mirror and I actually you can see it I put a mirror I love yours it's huge it's beautiful I also have a very similar um bed frame to you I swear I'm not like trying to copy your house no I feel so much resonance and similarity in our just there's my bed my I don't I'm in the way it's very similar to yours, um, but yeah, it's a little Balinese hand carved. I just found a guy in Bali and I messaged him and asked him to make it instead of buying it off, you know, Wayfair. But um, your altar, when I first saw it, yeah, that way you can support his little family instead of Wayfair and their, yeah. So when I first saw your altar, it wasn't that long ago. It was in the last year. I remember feeling so inspired. It was yours and Madeline Moon's that I was really inspired by. Hers was all about divine union. Um, But when I saw your mirror, you had a photo of Mary Magdalene that I already had on mine. And then I saw your mirror and I thought, huh, that's a weird place for a mirror was like my first thought. And then I thought, wow, I bet and I, I had like all these stories of what you probably do in front of it. I was like, I bet she does some awesome yoni gazing and like all these thoughts. <laughs> and so I got a mirror and I started doing, I started doing yoni gazing. I started to do, I would put a crown on and I would say my affirmations and then I would do breast massage while looking in my eyes and saying, I love you and you are safe and you are worthy and all the things. Um, but I remember some of the reactions I got with that from family and just um, people around me that my altar has always kind of scared them because they're in a bit of a religious story, a religious dogmatic story around it being for false gods and idols. And um, the mirror to them, they thought that I was basically worshiping myself and um, making a God of myself. And it was just something that they were disgusted by. And so um, I loved, I love that you brought up yours because it was my inspiration initially. Yeah. And it's become such a powerful. (laughs) And thank you for 
loving it and doing it for you. Like that, that is, it's a very powerful practice. And to be honest with you, I think really looking in the mirror is difficult for me. A lot of the time it's so intimate with me. And I had a moment yesterday where I had to look in the mirror and I played a certain song because yesterday was this big high pressure day where a lot was shifting and coming to the surface. And it was so moving to face myself. And so um, I, I really think like in essence, the, the, the essence of it for me is a space to be both in touch with my presence here. Like mm-hmm. I am here embodied in this fleeting moment in time, an expression of God. Can I, can I really give thanks for that and connect to my life? And can also, can I be really honest with myself? Like for me, I have done some of these magnificent practices, like, um, you know, just like nude practices and mm-hmm. yoni egg right in the center. And I've used that before. And I also have a crown on my altar <laughs> on top of this like chalice shaped base. And I've done some prayers and offerings into this chalice and I've put the crown on. I've, I've burned things and painted my face with the ash. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately for me, when I come to pray and I have four different altars in my house, but, mm-hmm. um, my mirror one is my most personal one, of course. Um, but when I come to pray wherever I am, it always feels like my moment to be in radical um, truth mm-hmm. with mine. And so it's like I can exhale everything else. I have nothing to conceal, nothing to no show to put on. You know, how honest can I be in this moment so I can really connect with myself and with God? And so it, for me, is a portal to God through vulnerability form. And there's also, you know, lots of, I think, I I feel a real impetus for us to exalt sexuality as the gateway to God that it is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's literally the, the experience through which creation happens. And so cultivating that sexual energy can be such a great way to use your mirror altar because it's actually making it sacred like that imprint in our psyche that I can have this sexual experience with myself and activate my sexual energy and not only do I not need to feel ashamed but it's actually something to be celebrated and and honored and devoted to and it's holy and here is a frame for my sexuality that is holy need that so much so i i always use um i have four different altars but i use them as these really rich playgrounds for nurturing particular energies in a given season that really they come to life more when you create a space in the 3d reality where it's like this is what i honor Mm -hmm. and like one of them is all rainbows and I have toys mm. on <laughs> you know, like literally and it's and it's like how do I want to pray I'm gonna let myself do that because it's my relationship with God yeah. some courage but it's a lot of fun that's so beautiful I grew up in a well I didn't grow up in one I was adopted by a really religious family in my teen years and 
all of my worship was dictated. My access to God was dictated. Um, how I heard from God was dictated everything. And my intuition definitely wasn't trusted. So that's something that has been, um, my altar has been a huge reclamation of that. And the other thing about the mirror is so many people only look in the mirror when they're getting ready or getting dressed or when it's just right in front of them in the bathroom, it's a quick check. Very rarely do we ever just sit and look in the mirror with nothing else to do and just see what comes up. And also like when you look in your eyes in the mirror, there's like an awareness comes up of like how much is in there, you know, like, wow, there is a whole being in there, especially if you do it on medicine. I don't know if you've ever gone to the bathroom on medicine and you get lost in the mirror. You're like, oh shit. I'm like, I don't know how many people I saw in there. <laughs> we have an inner universe. And I think that that's what we see in when we're not. So like when the way we use mirrors is to check ourselves. The judge is literally present every time. And it's not even a vicious judge. It's a judge that's just assessing how, are, are we in a good space where we're going to survive? Yeah. 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 And so if that's the only way we're getting to experience ourselves is through yeah. the eyes of the, the witnessing judge, um, you know, it's kind of like, no wonder we're so hard on ourselves, yeah. separated from ourselves. And so, yeah, totally. We're actually, when you look a little closer through different eyes, mm-hmm. whole ass universe, a being, a being beyond our comprehension is just yeah. And how retraining of our inner judge to break that habit with the mirror and instead do something like a breast massage and tell ourselves that I love you, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) you also said, um, making sexuality sacred using the mirror. You brought up in the beginning of the episode about like knowing that our death is our power. And I always felt that like, even as a little girl, I always felt that because people would tell me I was deep and I was melancholy. I was such a deep thinker. And so I always felt like that was my power. And then, you know, there was living in the Playboy Mansion, doing Bellator. I never felt that my sexuality was my power. It just felt like my income, um, which didn't feel like my power at the time. And, um, now that I've worked through so much sexual healing and sexual trauma and really reclaimed that area of my life, there is this knowing that just as much that my depth is my power, so is my sexuality. And that was something that like before that would have, that sentence would have held so much shame, like, oh, her sexuality is her power. That's it. Like just, you know what I mean? So, and now it's something that like feels so celebratory. Wow. I'm so grateful to you for describing that um, because I think that that is something that I still am very much in the process of is because I almost had to rebel against my original relationship to sexuality by being like, that's not what it's all about. Yeah. Then have the, this sort of second coming of my relationship yeah. with sexuality where it is like, actually, it is what it's all about. Like everything <laughs> is rooted in that. Yeah, and it is like one of the most amazing ways to access God, even yeah. on our own in our own sexual practice. And it doesn't always have to, it like sexuality doesn't always have to be like intercourse, you know, it can be so, so much just on our own. So, um, energy. Yeah. yeah. 
It's no secret that shame-free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more, including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's called Air. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. Yeah. So Okay, there's like like just a few more topics, but I wanted to check in with you on time. I'm good. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I wanted to talk about how the rise of the feminine starts with all the men. You said this on your Instagram and it like, oh man, it felt really healing because it feels like the rise of the feminine was almost like, now it's time for you men to just shrink. It's time for y'all to sit back and let us have our moment, you know? And also kind of like... um we didn't have a voice for so long, but it, 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 the way you talked about it made it feel like they still get their voice. It's not, it's not one or the other. They are very much a part of our rising. And, but I would love to hear you articulate it. Cause you're just, you're the poet. <laughs> no, you, you, you articulated that so beautifully. And I'm really happy that that poem struck you and that it stayed with you. Um, that was a special one for me coming through because I felt the same relief when it came through of just like, yeah, this actually feels like where it's at and, or just at least part of where it's at that isn't being talked about and invited. And for me, what that really looked like is, um, you know, I work with big groups of people usually as a coach. And so I like to facilitate experiences for many men who don't get the invitation to open into their feminine energy quote-unquote feminine masculine you know we have we all have both and um the feminine in the high expression is distorted and suppressed in all of us it's not just now absolutely women specifically have been oppressed and abused and and um slaughtered and um and wounded collectively by that distortion mm -hmm. 
but that all but that doesn't mean that men haven't been wounded by it too and what they've what they have missed out on in that story about suppressing the feminine as an energy is their sensual expression their sensitivity their permission to cry and to feel and to be hurt and to be sexual and you know when they see this restrained in men so often where it's like so hard for them to feel so hard for them to get into their hips and dance mm. so hard for them to just be soft and and to love themselves and mm. so the reason that I wanted to write and share that poem is because if we only focus on exalting and repairing the feminine in the female and we don't invite the feminine in the man in the men and the masculine the feminine that's in the male form to rise with us there's still separation there's actually deeper separation almost it's like exactly what you were speaking to the sort of sort of count revolt energy that's like now give us our time and that's there's a understandable you know um wound or desire to it's almost uh you know like we want to feel acknowledged for what we've sacrificed and endured as in the feminine. But if we don't bring the men with us, and if we don't invite them into that feminine in themselves, then we have a whole vast, you know, split category where the feminine is rising in the women. And then the feminine is separate in the man and the, the men need to rise with us. So we, we, you know, repair this together because as long as there is continued separation, ultimately that story doesn't work yeah. for in this world. We're and just so going to take turns, like rising and repressing, rising and repressing. Okay, it's y'all's turn, it's our turn. And without us yeah. rising together, like we're just, one is always going to be wounded while one is rising. And then this one's going to retaliate. And then it's going to, it's never going to balance out. I hope, I hope that that's where we're at is is the balancing yeah yeah absolutely I super resonate with that yeah so um I know you lead ecstatic dance and I've heard it's amazing I've never I've never been able to attend but I I, I want to um I know that that's something that you uh just did with savage and liquid bloom yeah. and it seemed like from what you posted it seemed just like a never a never forget type of night um why do you think ecstatic dance is so powerful ooh, ooh, ooh. well yes it is it is my absolute favorite mode of somatic release mm. um we have so much we have stories in our tissue and this is something I've talked to a lot of people about in my work is really aligning and creating wholeness with intention and desire in the mind and intention and desire in the body. And if we want to, you know, I, I feel, I, I receive and, and hear a lot of women say, well, I want to be more in my feminine. And um, that's one example of many, many things, or we have a prayer. We want to claim this for our lives. I, you know, I, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want, I don't want to play small, et cetera. There's these prayers and these intentions and these desires that we hold in our conscious mind. However, if the body 
has a different story because the body has been protecting itself for an entire lifetime and learning in the nervous system, you know, Hey, maybe I need to play small because if I don't, then I might get hurt or the body is afraid to be feminine and open because the body has experienced trauma before your prayer or your intention or your desire is not going to be supported by the body, the soma. And so when you get to practice ecstatic dance, I always lead it with, um, guidance, sort of like a guided moving meditation that's really high energy, but cueing people to invite them into different expressions so they can find the edges where it might be a little bit uncomfortable to go there because that's your edge in your psyche. Mm -hmm. And if you're uncomfortable going into your own physical expression of maybe what sexual energy looks like or what rage looks like, um, if you can't, uh, if you find that edge and your body wants to say no, your body is going to say no to that every time you try to do it in relationship, in the world, in your career, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's working with intention through these areas of resistance in the body. And what often happens is people have an emotional cathartic release. So they'll come to an edge where it's like, this is not comfortable for me. And if they continue that tissue that's holding that emotion or that memory that's, that's writing the story gets moved into and broken up and loosened and opened and the channel opens for us to cry or scream or smile and just have the physical experience that shows the body, you can go here and you're safe. Yeah. And that's, it's such big medicine and it's so fun. That is so much better than what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were just going to like talk about chemicals, like, oh, it releases releases nitrous oxide. <laughs> I mean that too. <laughs> um, I'm I'm so I had a guest, Devin Fredericks, Fredrickson, that said something that I have applied so much since he said it. It was um, the way you have sex is the way you live life, and the way you live life is the way you have sex. So yeah, so how you show up, you know, in the bedroom. And I'm now thinking that could also somewhat, not for everyone, but for those who do dance and ecstatic dance, I'm thinking that that could apply to that. Like if I'm barely moving because I'm um, afraid to express, or if I'm being rigid because I'm not allowing flow in my life, you know, there could be so many thoughts there. Um, I know that often, sometimes in ecstatic dance, I feel wild, I'm going crazy. And then other times I do, I feel really like kind of stiff and rigid. And um, I know there's been a, a homework assignment for me of doing erotic dance in front of my partner to to allow for, f- to be fully witnessed. And that felt like, like I'm, I can do that for Instagram, you know, I can do that for like, um, you know, I've done it for OnlyFans, but when I had the homework assignment to do it for my partner, it was like, <gasps> like, and so I, I, it is, it was truly like the being witnessed because all these people who are paying to see it on OnlyFans or the people who are liking it on Instagram, it's partly could be validation, but it's also partly that I just don't care. Like, I don't care. I'm on in that end. I'm just trying to inspire someone to get up and move or to let loose, feel their feelings. But when it comes to a partner, you're actually truly being witnessed. They're not only in your space, 
but you have all these stories with them on how they critique you, how they judge you, how you're not good enough. Also, your subconscious confuses them for your caregivers. There's like all these things, you know? Yeah, my mind just went down a rabbit hole. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I still I still need to do the homework assignment, but I just, I thought of that, how sometimes how we show up in ecstatic dance, maybe how we're showing up in life. Um, feels so resonant. I don't know if you could see how much I was reacting to that, but just goosebumps and so much. Yes. It feels like the more free we can be in our own body in dance in any environment is a testament to how free we are period. It's our body. And I really resonate. It's so funny that you have that homework assignment. I just had the thought yesterday that I'd like to kind of challenge myself to do an erotic dance for my partner because I hadn't really gone into that. We're really good friends. We're really close. And um, it's like, it's vulnerable to be like putting yourself out there and being witness and being so vulnerable with somebody who sees you deeper than anyone else can and all the things that you listed. And yeah, there's just so many ways that dance can be therapy and building and all of the things. Yeah. It feels like, um, to bring up another archetype, it feels like the seductress archetype. And like, there's so many ways that that can be enticed in our lives and can work in our career and our money flow and, and all the things. Um, I know that I've always struggled with being the seductress in relationship because of so much rejection in my past. And so it's so interesting though, how it's, it's different in relationship than it is with the rest of the world where we know that situation doesn't really matter because there's not going to be wounding there, you know? Um, so you brought up your partner. So you wrote an amazing poem. I remember it being, I mean, I've loved all your poems, but I remember that one being like, I screenshot it and I was sending it to everybody. Cause I was like, Oh, this is, it was at a time too, where I wasn't having my needs met in relationships. So I was like, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I'm needing. Um, and it, it felt like from you, it felt like a big ask and, and maybe even a command to the universe. Um, and you recently went public with your uh, relationship and your stories, at least, which made me so giddy for you. <laughs> um, I've always felt like you guys are going to be together. I've always felt it. I, like <laughs> I've always kind of just known it. I can't really describe the energy that it is the two of y'all together, but it's like you wrote in the sentence and in the poem, um, the rapture of a co-created song. And that's like what it feels like when I see you too. It's like this beautiful co-created song that is like so much medicine, but so much like, and it's always different from the outside looking in, but there's so much joy, like childlike joy. And to me, when I see that in a partner in a, in a partnership, that to me is so freaking healing when there's childlike joy. And so I get just so giddy when I see your stories and, um, I'll read the poem after you get off just to save time. I'm going to close with it, but you already kind of talked about what your learning was and opening up to that on your ayahuasca um, journey and then your little cocoon. But I guess maybe what would you say? I don't know. Is there anything that you'd want to add there to what, like what that gift was and opening up to it or what maybe your biggest fear was or what your biggest overcoming was or just anything that that you want to offer there? Yeah. Firstly, 
thank you for loving and reading that poem. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite and most vulnerable pieces I posted on Instagram. And to be honest, it's funny. Social media is such a strange, cruel beast sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't, people didn't engage with it very much. It was one of my quote unquote lowest performing posts. Done. Um, be, and I, you know, I felt I was really excited about it because it was so from the heart and it was such yeah. a big prayer. And um, I was also really deep, deep in my process at that time. So I was noticing a little bit more of those things that stun, like, oh, people, this didn't really resonate for people. And I do remember you commenting on it. So thank you for exalting it. And it's yeah. such a pleasure to have you read it today um, on this show. Cause it's, it was really a big, it was a big move for me to be that vulnerable and to share yeah. and to claim that desire. And, um, you know, my partner, Eric and I have been really close friends for years and he was a deep teacher for me in what I truly wanted in relationship, but it was so out of, I was stuck in this cycle of being in relationships with unavailable men it, it was sort of like a um this sort of manifestation or creation of my relationship to myself inside mm-hmm. mm. there was something so viscerally terrifying about being opening to vulnerable love with somebody who was so close to me mm-hmm. like he could already see everything about me and my defense mechanisms found every way to rationalize why we shouldn't be together and to say not yet and push it away and come up with reasons to protect myself from that fire. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he finally was like, all right, not yet. I'm done. I'm <laughs> on the way. And that was one of the big impetus uh, points for me to really re-examine the way I felt about myself and relationships mm-hmm. that I wanted for my life. And it brought me to that energy that's in the poem, which is if you want this kind of love, you have to ask for it. You have to claim your sacred. Yes. You have to claim it to everybody far and wide because the universe is waiting to respond to what you want. Mm-hmm. And if I'm washy, if I'm like, I love you, but not yet. And I've still got to like go play and do this thing. And, um, you know, well, th- those are mixed signals and you're not going to fall in the type of love that you want. And often there's a little patience or a lot of patience that needs to happen once that prayer is, um, you know, communicated and articulated, mm-hmm. but we won't get to receive it if we don't claim it. Yeah. And- know it and if we don't just let ourselves be in that vulnerability so um I I that love this love the love that I have now this very vulnerable um best friends playful childlike you know it's all of the things we get we have fun together and it's primarily because I am fully myself with Mm -hmm. him not playing any um, unconscious games of redemption or trying to get the one that doesn't want me or trying to prove myself to somebody who's, you know, relating to me in a toxic way or vice versa. I've softened and settled into a space where I'm fully, fully celebrated for who I am and where I'm with my best friend. And that, that is where I arrived at in my depths was like Mm -hmm. the deepest in my heart of hearts and the deepest place in me. 
I want to be seen fully and accepted fully. And I want to have fun in my life. And that prayer was certainly, um, you know, what carried me to this place where we could finally align together. And I haven't fully like formally announced it, but I have sharing and uh, it's really, really been um, a deeply healing love. So it took a lot of work, but it was so worth it. (laughs) I love that you related it to your relationship with self because so many people, when they talk about their trauma bonds with others or their toxic dynamics, they always relate it to a parent And it is so very much also our relationship to self. If we're showing, if like we keep calling in someone that's doing this one thing, we're, we're most likely doing it to ourselves. And the whole thing about, you know, our internal reality creates our external reality. So even like listening to you right now, I can feel like, oh, I want that. Like I want the childhood uh, joy. I want the best friend feeling. I want the playfulness. But if I can um, really cultivate that in myself, it can cause that shift in my current relationship. And so with people doing that, it, you know, it could either cause the shift in their relationship or it can cause the shift to where they call in something else. So I really, I love that, that there was an internal that shifted the external. There was audience question. How do we stay away from appropriating South American culture? I think it's because you and I both dress very much in their in their things. Those are powerful. I know. It's interesting with um, with appropriation. I my personal truth is there is a more like I align to a space of deep compassion and understanding for the violation and, you know, absolute desecration of human beings with deep, deep medicine wisdom that have tended the land and have Mm -hmm. a relationship with the land and have so much beauty and medicine to offer this world. And there's a deep reverence and, um, and respect for how it must feel to rise or, you know, come from a culture that has endured this kind of violation Mm -hmm. and to see it, you know, kind of haphazardly just, brought into you know another person's world who doesn't have a connection to what they've been through by treating it like a costume or using it to make money or something like this um and I've I feel that in my own sort of integrity barometer when I encounter um different cultural symbols and you know, um, ways of dress and song and practices and traditions, um, you know, being used by quote unquote Westerners. And at the same time, um, I've worked with medicine enough and, um, and, you know, medicine carriers enough that I know my personal relationship with a lot of these traditions is that the intelligence of the entity of the tradition itself wants to spread. It wants to spread mm-hmm. the light and the medicine um, and the and the ways that you access it in right relationship with that medicine from where it comes from. So to not incorporate the tools and the heritage of the medicine 
in the practice, whatever, whatever that medicine is, whether that's a prayer practice or, you know, a sweat lodge or a um, plant medicine or a, you know, drumming practice or song, it deserves to have all of its heritage present with it. And if we can't take the heritage with it, then do we not get to take the medicine and propagate it and share it? And so it's a tightrope to walk between really, really honoring the origins and the pain of the ancestral lineage that has allowed us to have access to these mm -hmm. amazing tools and amazing technologies and medicines and ways of living. Yeah. Um, but also to allow it to heal the world, um, you know, and to honor it. And there are a lot of my teachers, you know, have conveyed more of a, um, a relationship to kind of what you, we don't understand, which is we don't understand the soul's ancestry. We don't understand um, how our bloodlines really interact with the bloodlines of everyone else. And for me, I personally operate in a space of we are one family, one humanity, one one body, really one. Body. And so, I I try to hold that deep, deep compassion and recognition and acknowledgement of um, of older traditions that are not seemingly not from my bloodline. Also, alongside and in in enwrapped in the my personal belief system, which is that we are one family and that these expressions and technologies and heritages deserve to propagate and and to spread the love and the depth of wisdom that they carry so how we do that <laughs> it's not have had a better answer oh, that's so beautiful I think the main thing like you said is just coming to it with reverence and also um it it not using it as a trend but like really knowing the history and honoring that and um I I never had even thought of it as possibly appropriation because it feels so much like my lineage. It feels so ancestral to me that I can't not use this in my practice. I can't. It, it feels like even when I sing, I can hear one of my one of my guides. I'm 17% Aztec. I can hear one of my guides like singing through me. And I've got some Congolese. I can hear a Congolese woman come through. And just because I'm, I feel so, so drawn to Tantra just because I don't have some Hindu showing up on my ancestral. I feel so much like it's my lineage. I have such a strong reverence for Lakshmi and Ganesh and Kali. And I know that they recorded and documented the magic of them because the world needed it. Yes. Yeah. So that they could be reverenced and, and worshipped so um yeah so I love your answer so much <laughs> it was really long-winded but um, oh, it's a delicate situation but I resonate with that so much um to me I trust what's coming through my path and my mm -hmm. soul that it's it's it wants to come to me and through me mm -hmm. and that feels important to me so yeah <laughs> thank you uh-huh so much Okay, so lastly, can you tell me about your upcoming, um, you have an upcoming offering, I think it's in June, but it starts in May, right? You've got some calls in May. Yeah, so, so fill me in on what that 
is. Yes. So I am launching a new women's program through Fit for Service, which is the community that I'm a coach in. I've been, we're in our fourth year. We have done um, many larger scale events. About 100 people is usually, or give or take, um, is usually our group size for events. And it's always co-ed, so male and female. Um, and we have never done a women's only official fit for service women's only program. Oh, wow. And yeah, and it's, it's been a long time coming. And I was the first female coach um, by Lana and blue of earth. They're also um, more part-time uh, female coaches in the program, but it felt like my calling to create a space for women. And um, interestingly, I'd planned this all year and then just certain things had not quite lined up on the timing for our team until May, June. And I planned this kind of one-off event. And um, I was sitting with it particularly this week. And for me, um, for a long time now, I've wanted to give birth to a program called the League, the League of Queens. Mm. And the League of Queens is really a remembering process using archetypes and connecting and identifying these different aspects of self that co-create the total mm -hmm. self and bringing them all back home. And the same way I kind of, you know, originally created this process using a lot of different techniques and tools and rituals to come home to myself. I want mm -hmm. to share that as a template for other women to come up with their own creative ways to use ritual prayer and, um, and song and dance and embodied practices to come home to their, themselves in their totality. Mm -hmm. And so I am using this opportunity to really bring that material forward and offer it to people and create community at the same time, because we're so empowered when we get permission from other people to really go into ourselves and, and be in full expression. And, um, and I think also, you know, the part of that repairing and rising of the feminine is done in community as sisters, as women, you know, we are here to do this together yeah. and it's so much more powerful when you're not, when you have somebody championing you and mm -hmm. being real with you and holding you. And that's something I haven't had many times in my life. And I want to create a space where women can give themselves their full original creative experience of what it means to heal and restore wholeness and in the self while being held by other women. Yeah. Healing with sister one is so powerful. And I, I recorded a, a solo cast about my sister's group. There's just four of us about how we'll fill a tub of flowers and one of us will get in and we'll all sing over her and say prayers over her and we'll take mushrooms and do the same thing. One will lay down and we'll just offer healings and songs and prayers and give her massages. And we do like, we just shower each other in so much physical, emotional, and spiritual love. And I remember after I recorded that, so many women telling me that they cried listening because they feel that they don't have that and it's that it's so hard for them to find. So I'm so happy that you're putting that offering out. And I also know that we can only take our clients as deep as we've gone ourselves. And everything that you listed that you're offering, you pretty much started the episode saying that that was your journey last year. So you've done it, you've integrated it, you've got, you've done the depths. And so now they're going to be able to reach that same place. And then 
the last thing I'll say about your offering um, of who you are is one of my um, listeners went to fit for service and um, I think it was in February here in Austin and it was her first time meeting you. And she said, what was so healing about you is that when she went up to you, that you were just so present and that like your presence alone was so healing. And I truly feel that presence is more healing than any healing modality. And so I'm so excited for all the women that are going to be there to experience your presence and your depth and your medicine. Thank you so much. And that is exactly what I want to give people. And I think, you know, I've never created a space that was a smaller container where I had the opportunity to go deep with people, so to speak. And really that just looks like being radically intimately present to another person's experience and being in it with them. And I want that container to happen for all of us. You know, I want to give that to other women and I want to be able to hold them and receive that from them too. So this will be a very um, new and special thing for me. And I know it's going to be very powerful. And we'll, we'll be starting on May 22nd on, um, online only for a couple of weeks, but we're going to have some powerful rituals, um, you know, corresponding with the moon, parts work, altar work, and then we'll come together with that foundation and actually get to experience the embodied practices together in person and then get to seal it with a full moon ritual and um, integration and all those pieces. Thank you for answering the call to that. Yeah. We're needed. (laughs) So there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. If you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? I would say you have nothing to worry about. Mm. Enjoy it. That's beautiful. And I would say also say it, spend a little extra time with your mom and dad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to forget while we're growing up that they're also getting older. Yeah. Yeah. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? This question is such a doozy for me. I love reading um, and there's so many gems, but I will go with what feels the most alive for me. And it's actually sitting right here on my desk because I'm obsessed. Um, For me, if it was the whole world, poetry speaks to everyone. Mm -hmm. There are so many different maps and methodologies and epic writers. I love Vladimir Nabokov and um, uh, there's so many writers I would recommend. But for me right now, my favorite poet is Alfred K. Lamott. Mm. And every book of poetry that he has is tremendous. This one is Savor Eternity One Moment at a Time. I love the title. In here, yeah. It's, it's mystic poetry. And so it's written mostly to God, but it's all about love and beauty and it's magnificent and it will just inspire you so deeply um, if you read it. So that's my recommend of the moment <laughs> for the whole day. <laughs> okay. One more world uh, question. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Interesting. Sounds like a train just honked outside. <laughs> <laughs> I would ask a question. Okay. I would whisper, 
you are the hero of this story. What do you do next? Mm. So good. I think that that would, if everyone responded to that question in an instant, knowing they were the hero of the story, and they acted that way in the next action that they took, we'd see a radical change in the world. Mm. I need to ask myself that question a little more often. <laughs> I love that you asked the question instead. That's um, so Christ-like of you. <laughs> um, all right. I love it. I, I'm going um, to use that as a journal prompt today. So. Mm. Lastly, I think I said lastly already, but this this time, lastly, <laughs> people find you online and how do they sign up for your program? Awesome. Thank you for asking. Um, I primarily engage with the world through Instagram, like many of us. So my handle is at the poet queen. I also have a very skimpy website, but I do post and um, share blogs on there occasionally called uh, poetqueen.com. And I will be sharing out more soon, um, sharing some newsletters and updates through that through that channel. And you can find me at fitforservice.com. This particular event is fitforservice.com slash league queens. And it will have all of the program information. You can apply to join and I will be facilitating fit for service events um, for the foreseeable future. So it's definitely a great space to find me and really get to meet with, meet me and connect with me in person. Lots more to come soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. Mm, it's my absolute honor. Thank you for having me and thank you for being such a beautiful example to me and a twin flame and kindred spirit out in the world. It feels so good witness your medicine and get to receive it and know you so thank, thank you. you everything likewise <laughs> boomerang <laughs> hmm. i'm so thankful for that conversation it was to me so expansive in my heart like i feel like i just drink some huachuma which is very heart opening it was a very heart opening episode for me and I, it went exactly how I thought it was going to go because I know how amazing she is. And I just, I, I knew that she was going to come on here and it was just going to be so full of love and so honest and so raw and so vulnerable. And I'm so thankful for her and every single answer. I, my soul was just like, yes, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, I'm so thankful. And I hope you guys loved it as well. I'm about to read the poem that I brought up that she wrote. Um, but I'm going to close with that. So before that, I just want to ask you guys that if this is a one-off episode for you, if you um, if you just stumbled upon it, if you could hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes and also it would mean so much if you would leave a review and let me know what you thought about this episode in particular or any other. Um, you could also just hit the five star. You don't actually have to write anything, but it would mean so much if you did. If everyone that listened to this episode left a review, it would make a tremendous difference in 
my efforts to book some of my dream guests. So please, if you would be a light in that way to me. And then I'll also thank our affiliates really quick. The best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets 15% off. My favorite one is the suction toy. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. The Air, A-E-R, is what it's called. And it creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris. So you can go all the way, right away, as many times as you want. Um, I actually use it uh, in front of my mirror at my altar that we talked about during this episode. While I also use my pleasure wand, which is from wands.com, W-A-A-N-D-S.com. And uh, they also have amazing yoni eggs. It's Jade for a discount there as well. And it's wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com. And then all things CBD at directhemp.com, a better way to CBD. They've got a variety of brands all vetted by them to be top notch. And then lastly, all infrared that you could need. They've got a sauna blanket, an infrared bioenergy mat, an infrared face mask. They've got a two-person sauna, all at higher dose com code jade 75 for 75 dollars off thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me if someone if crossed your mind while you were listening to this it may be because this episode would be great for them to hear so send it along and now i'll read caitlin's poem this is from her instagram at the poet queen the sky is an infinite ear and the universe is listening. What is the most vulnerable thing that I can say? I want love. Love is everywhere, she replies. Love is pouring into you through a hundred tear-filled songs of praise, sweet gifts at your doorstep, long hugs, warm and kind, everyday magic, and little arms wrapped around your knees, smiling up at you with wonder. All of this is God. And God is love. The universe continues listening. What is the most vulnerable thing I can say? Thank you. Of course, I am rich in love. Let me be more specific. I want Eros, restored from injury, to make a God of me too. I want the love that is transferred between mouths, as breath, as word, as chemistry. I want the risk of a promise. I want to be seen. I want the love that is tracing my form with affectionate eyes. I want to meet his gaze, to feel his sunlight on the closed, timid buds of my being. I want to bloom fully in the radiant glow of passion, to let my heart sit like a rose on my chest atop my naked body, finally bearing the inmost filaments of my soul. Delicate, gold-spun, luminous, and tenderly afraid. I want to learn to be safe here, too. I want to dance in the freedom of safety. I want to find a rhythm with another body. I want to know the rapture of a co-created song. I want to sing it into the eager ear of the sky and feel it echo through the drum void of the universe, humming back into us as life flowing back into the world as colors that heal everything. In light that softens and unfurls the tough green armor of trembling buds, which might otherwise die before they bloom. 
So, as we close, I just want you to remember that the universe is listening. So be specific. <laughs>